The content of the following program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or cure. Always consult your physician or a health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Ready, set, go! And the truth shall set you free! Welcome to One Life Radio. We are going higher, everyone. Indeed. Welcome to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Biaschetti with Jerry Caldwell, broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Hey, Jerry. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, Bern. <laughs> Sorry, I was just sneezing. Oh, you were? I didn't even hear you. Oh, well, I have a sneeze button. You have a sneeze? Ah, that's right. And a cough button. I, you know, I don't have a cough button anymore because I'm, you know, I built my own studio without the cough button. I just I just turned to my side and cough. There you go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But it will be great to come to go back in studio with you whenever we feel like doing it, right? Uh, and you're back in the old uh, Russ Martin studio. So you're back where you were a couple of years ago, but yet on a different uh on a on different station. Different station, 1190. Still a lot Dallas. of memories in here, though. And and KFXR used to be KLIF, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, the Mighty 1190. That's right, the Mighty 1190. All right, and I used to be a coffee girl for Ron Chapman back in the day with the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Really? <laughs> I did. We will have I to did. talk about that story and on the I air used to have I used to have some white boots. Uh, they weren't the same boots that they had. I think they were Lucchese. Mine were just probably from, I don't know. I don't know where. They weren't expensive. But, uh, yeah, I used to be a coffee girl. Um, and people thought I was a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader because I had the look. I had the long blonde hair and, you know, full of energy and just, oh, my gosh, bouncing off the walls with energy in my 20s. And uh, But it's great to be here today, and we have a fantastic show for you. I'm about to introduce uh, someone who I've never been on the air with before, but I am so much looking forward to this interview because uh, Dr. Jeffrey Foote uh, is a co-founder and executive director at the Center for Motivation and Change. That's a CMC. He's also uh, the co-president of CMC, the Fountain for Change. And before co-founding CMC in 2003, Dr. Foote was the deputy director of the Division of Alcohol Treatment and Research at Mount Sinai Medical Center in New York City as well as Senior Research Associate at the National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse at Columbia University uh, in New York City. Dr. Foote was also the psychologist for the New York Mets. Can you believe that? (laughs) I bet you've got some stories, Dr. Foote, uh, for 11 years and continues in sports psychology as an independent performance consultant to professional athletes. And he is the co-author of the award-winning book, which we're talking about today, Beyond Addiction, How Science and Kindness Can Help People Change, a practical guide for families dealing with addiction and substance problems in a loved one based on principles of community reinforcement and family training. That's C-R-A-F-T, Craft. uh, His website is cmcffc, that's cmcffc.org, or on Instagram and Facebook at cmcffc. Such an honor and a pleasure to introduce Dr. Jeffrey Foote. Welcome to One Life Radio. Thanks a lot. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And so, you know, uh, from this point forward, Dr. Foote, I know you like to be called Jeff, uh, so that's how I will address you. I try my best. I'm always typically very formal, but I thought it was funny when I was writing those notes to myself. You know, I have a dog named Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm honored. (laughs) 
and I have a and I have a dog named Brad, who's his brother. I found him running down the street together. I don't know, like six or seven years ago. But you know, I actually have a little song that I sing to to them, the Brad and Jeff song. I won't sing it to you. Maybe maybe later I'll sing it. But it's sure, great to because have my, because my brother's name is Brad, so that's perfect. Are you kidding me? I'm not. <laughs> Us and your dog. Okay, I'm going to sing it just because it's fun. we got to have a little fun before we get into this deep sub- subject. So let me see. You know, I don't have the best voice, so forgive me. But it's uh, right. Brad, Brad and Jeff, Jeff and Brad, two American dogs doing the best they can. And then I just, when I do that, sometimes just when I'm feeling silly. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brad loves it. <laughs> Well, oh my goodness, what are the odds that you have? You know, I was thinking that. I wonder if he, I was actually thinking that when I was writing my notes. I wonder if he has a, you know, a cousin or a brother by the name of Brad. So how funny is that? You don't have like a gerbil named Don or anything like that, right? Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. Well, you know, this book, though, is going to change a lot of people's lives. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about discussing it. And I have to, full disclosure, we have some addiction uh, issues in my family. And I really do believe that almost every family has someone in their family that has an addiction and like I say I I have an addictive type personality but I mix my addictions up and I'm a very disciplined person so I feel that that kind of has prevented me from going off the deep end putting that out there right out of the gate but who who is yeah no I want to be fully you know um, fully transparent with our listeners and so maybe that in itself will help them to understand that we all deal with this problem individually and as families but Dr. Yep. Foote or Jeff, who is Beyond Addiction written for? Well, you know, first of all, um, thanks for having me, but um, also wanted to say the, we've written a couple of books. One we wrote about nine, ten years ago for families, uh, and that's the one that you talked about, um, Beyond Addiction, How Science and Kindness Help People Change. Uh, and that's like a, a whole book about uh, how to deal with treatment systems and what does motivation mean and what's the neurobiology of addiction and all this kind of stuff. Um, the one we came out with last summer, this, you know, about six months ago, um, the new one is called the Beyond Addiction Workbook for Family and Friends. Yes. Um, so that's a workbook that goes along with it, um, and it, that's the one that just came out in 2022. Um, and it's uh, shorter, and it's got it's more workbook-like, um, yeah. you know, a bunch of exercises and stuff like that. Yeah, I, ha- um, <laughs> I have it right here with yeah. me. I, it's it's yeah. a wonderful book. I have it here with me, the Beyond Addiction Workbook for Family and Friends, as you said. Continue, though. I'm sorry for the interruption. Sure. No, 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 no problem. Um, and um, and we wrote we wrote both of them for for families. Um, you know, I've been doing this stuff, addiction treatment, and uh, running programs, and doing research stuff for 35 years. Um, and probably 10, 12 years ago, uh, some colleagues and I thought, you know, we we get on the phone. We talk to people. They are desperate. They're they're concerned. They're scared. They don't know what to do with helping a family yeah. member. And we're sort of explaining a bunch of ideas and stuff that's really helpful, um, one by one over the phone forever. And it's like, how many people can we reach that way? Um, right. And we know we know there's a bunch of tools that are really helpful. They're different than what has been out there in the culture for for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but explaining it person by person. <laughs> It's kind of a slow road. Yeah. Um, Yeah, You know, and they're writing the book. He's like, can we get this out here in a bigger way so people can buy this, read it, understand it, and do some nice stuff within their own family, whether they ever see a professional or not? 
just to hand over the tools to family members. Oh. Yeah, and so many families need this. And I don't know if you can hear that static, but it happens from time to time uh, with just, you know, uh, there's lots going on on the airways. We're going to go to break. Yeah. We'll be right back, and uh, hopefully we can clear it up. Uh, it could be a number of different things, but we will be right back. Everyone stay tuned. You are listening to One Life Radio. If you missed the show, not to worry. You can always catch the podcast after the broadcast at oneliferadio.com or your favorite podcast app. Be sweet, parakeet. <laughs> In today's environment, books provide the most reliable means for disseminating knowledge. Children's Health Defense Publishing offers titles written by foremost authorities and courageous voices who speak the truth despite criticism and consequences, often at the expense of their careers. Here are the latest must-reads in the fight for truth. The courage to face COVID-19, preventing hospitalization and death while battling the biopharmaceutical complex by true crime writer John Leake and prominent research cardiologist Dr. Peter McCullough. Lies My Government Told Me and The Better Future Coming by Dr. Robert Malone. And Cause Unknown, The Epidemic of Sudden Deaths in 2021 and 2022 by former BlackRock fund manager Ed Dowd. Get your copies today at skyhorsepublishing.com and listen to the show every Monday with Mary Holland, president of Children's Health Defense for updates and deep dives into these new releases. That's skyhorsepublishing.com. Back with more positivity pouring out your speakers. It's One Life Radio. All right. <laughs> no more static. <laughs> Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell and Dr. Jeff Foote. Uh, he is a PhD and is the co-founder and executive director at the Center for Motivation and Change. That's the CMC, as well as the co-president of the CMC Fountain for Change. You can reach him at their website, cmcffc, that's cmcffc.org, or on Instagram and Facebook at cmcffc. Uh, we were talking about his book and his workbook, the, the book Beyond Addiction, How Science and Kindness Help People Change, and the workbook, the Beyond Addiction Workbook for Family and Friends, Evidence-Based Skills to Help a Loved One Make Positive Change, and people call it the Essential Guide to the Invitation to Change Approach. And so right before the break, uh, we were having a lot of static, and I asked you about Beyond Addiction, who it was written for. I couldn't, yep. he I couldn't hear you very well, and I bet okay. the listeners felt the same thing. So can we recap <laughs> Who, who Beyond Addiction is written for, uh, Jeff? Sure. It's, it's written for families. Um, uh, it's it's um, our effort to take a bunch of uh, really helpful ideas and ways to help and just hand it over to lay people, to people who don't have training in therapy. Um, you know, most families, um, as you pointed out earlier, there's, uh, you know, addiction is something that hits lots of families, um, mm -hmm. and it, it's hard to find families who haven't had any experience with this, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but people don't talk about it because it's a, a stigmatized kind of thing in our culture. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, you're told a, a variety of different things in this culture about what to do about it. Um, but um, we know that there's a bunch of tools that are useful, uh, and they're just not out in the culture much. Um, so we wanted to write the book to just put them out there and say, look, you can learn this stuff. It's not rocket science. Um, and you can start using these things in your family. Uh, and, and you'll start to see things change around. Um, so, you know, that, that's, what we, that's what it is. Um, and again, mm -hmm. the, the culture has a lots of messages in it about substance issues and lots of stigmatizing stuff that makes people mm -hmm. go underground. <clears throat> 
you know, mm-hmm. we sometimes we sometimes say, you know, if if somebody's kid is, you know, got some disease, cancer or something, and they need to get treatment, and that, you know, you might have a bake sale, you might have somebody go door to door and say, hey, look, my kid has got some problem here, and we're trying to get him to the best hospital. But if your kid is struggling with heroin um, mm-hmm. or uh, drinks too much, and you want to get him to treatment, and you can't afford it, people don't go to door to door. People don't go ask their neighbors about it, um, mm-hmm. you know, because it stays underground. So again, there's tools that work they're not necessarily the ones that people hear about um, on TV, and so that's why we want to put that all into a book. Well, yeah, and you've done a great job, and I this is a very important topic because a lot of people can't afford to send their child off to rehab or their, their loved yeah. one, um, and nor do I think that that is the best approach. I mean, from my experience, um, from people that I know that have had that experience, they basically put them on drugs, uh, talk to them, and then send them back out the door 28 days later, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And it doesn't work, which is why they keep going back. Right. (laughs) Well, one of the things also that's different here, I think, is um, there's a lot of message out in the world about um, addiction and it being a disease and it being something that as a family member, you need to cut people off. Mm -hmm. um, And kind of do that tough love kind of thing. Yeah, I was just going to go there. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, that, that can be appealing in the sense that you want to do something, you're, you're scared, um, you know, dangerous things could be happening, um, mm-hmm. including, including there could be lying going on, people are gone underground and that kind of stuff. And all, and all of that can be part of it. It turns out that the, the tough love way of dealing with this is, is pretty ineffective um, and really not the way that you um, can be most helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's another part of that tough love thing, which is about, you know, um, disconnecting and, you know, they have to hit rock bottom and, you know, you need to right. step away. And if you don't step away, you know, we're going to accuse you, the family member of enabling and codependency and these kind of mm-hmm. words that are out there, um, all of which really ends up making the family feel horrible right. um, and feel like they've caused this uh, and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. It turns out that actually the most effective things you can do are to stay connected, to use kindness, um, uh, uh, to hang in there with the person, to try to right. understand what's going on from their perspective, right. um, and not to cut them off. Right, uh, and not to and, get and angry, right? Not to get angry. And well, it's, and it's easy to do. You are. And you're going to get exa- angry. Yeah. But, 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 like, what do you do with that? You know? Right. Um, and <clears throat> to, so, so the model, which I can explain, the invitation to change um, is basically just a model about how to help. Um, and it, there's sort of three big sections. One is about how to, how to understand what's going on, how to understand them. Um, another part is how to be aware of yourself. Uh, so that, that includes self-compassion and, and um, self-care, um, but it also includes something we call willingness, which is can I start to think about this in a new way? Can I realize that for me to stay connected to my loved one and help is probably going to be painful, but that doesn't mean something bad is mm-hmm. happening. I can still, I can still help. I can still hang in there and we may have a zigzag course here, but ultimately me staying connected is going to be a useful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how do I want to show up? Cause one of the things that is often said to parents, which is horrifying to most parents is you got to cut them off. Oh, I know. Yeah. And that's, that's the last yeah. thing on earth that most parents want to do. Oh, I, um, right. <laughs> and it's not actually helpful. 
but that's what they're told over and over again. Right. If you don't cut them off, you're enabling them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, mm-hmm. it's just not true. Yeah. Um, so we, we really ask families to step back, evaluate their own values, evaluate how it is they want to show up as a person mm-hmm. in that relationship with mm-hmm. the person who's struggling and try to, and try to go there. Yeah. Try to stay there with that. We do an exercise, actually. Sometimes people ask about what are exercises, exercises I can do. And one is called uh, the 80th birthday exercise. And it's just sort of imagining yourself showing up for your, for your own 80th birthday and having this kid who you were trying to help or this husband, who you're, whoever it is that's in your life that's struggling, um, having them stand up to toast you at your 80th birthday. And what are the words that you would like to hear coming out of their mouth? at that moment in your life as they acknowledge and thank you for what you gave them wow. during that time of life when they were struggling. Mm, mm, and for wow, most people, it's, it's not like, I wish you'd yelled at me more. I wish mm-hmm. you'd kicked me out of the house earlier. I, mm-hmm. That's not really what people want to hear. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. they want to hear their loved ones say, you hung in there. You know, I always felt loved even though I was having a hard time. You know, you didn't yeah. judge me, those kind of things. Yeah. But those kind of things are hard to to show up with and, yeah. and to stick with, you know, when you're upset and scared. Yeah. And exasperated because you don't know what to do. So many parents, so many people, families struggle with this. You know, I grew up with a brother who was schizophrenic, not the same as an addiction, mm-hmm. but it did have a stigma that came along with yeah, it, which gave sure. me, you know, a, a, which was a, you know, and whenever, you know, I'm the, I'm one, I'm the lucky one, you know, I'm the lucky one. It could have been me that was born with schizophrenia. Right. Yep, but it yep. did have a lot of repercussions on our family, which caused, yep. you know, addiction problems with some of my other siblings, um, which was, it was painful, you know, yep. and, but, but at the, root of all of this all families struggle right they all do right. you know i think you know my my own mother she lost uh her her father at four and her mother at nine and she did it pretty well in life but i think that her addiction to some degree was her religious um uh, her religion and and how yeah. she you know we all find something that that makes us feel safe right something that ma- right. releases endorphins and i don't know if i'm making sense with these connections yeah, you are. but but, no, it but, totally makes sense. And, and it's, if I could just say something about that part of it, it's like I think you're making an incredibly important point. It's when we talk about helping through understanding, it's, it's exactly that, which is we, there's an there's a idea that we help people understand, which is this idea that behaviors make sense. Um, right, and right. W- what we mean by that is, look, let's, let's look at your 17-year-old. Um, and who's, who's drinking a ton and smoking a bunch of pot and is driving you a little crazy and making you scared. Mm-hmm. Like we can say, you know, he's, he's a jackass. Um, and we can say he's doing this out of spite or he's doing this to get you or, you know, all those things that people go through and they feel, but, but that's probably not really what's going on. You know, if you backed up a little bit, um, mm-hmm. and asked that parent, what, what do you think, what do you think he gets out of drinking and smoking? They would tell you. They would say um, he's incredibly socially anxious. Uh, he's never had a girlfriend. He doesn't mm-hmm. know how to interact socially, and when he drinks, it helps him a lot. Or they would say, you know, he uh, has a tremendous anxiety, and when he smokes pot at night, it helps him go to sleep. Um, or you know, any number of reasons um, that are different for different people. Um, right. Why is your husband um, uh, abusing a bunch of Percocets? Well. You know, he fell off a ladder 10 years ago for his job, um, and he's got chronic pain, and he, there's no other way for him to cope with it. That's the way he's learned how to do with it. Mm-hmm. Do it. Hey, mm-hmm. is, that, is that he's an addict, or is that 
this is this makes sense for that person. C- clearly, there's a destructive part of this. You know, that's why we're even talking about it. But that doesn't make the person insane or irrational or out to get you. It means mm-hmm. there's reasons for this that make sense to them. Right. And if we can start with that basic idea, it really changes the whole way we interact with other people. Yeah. Uh, I don't see you as as irrational or, or or immoral. I just see you as somebody who's motivated for certain reasons, and maybe we can help with those reasons. Mm-hmm. I'm loving this conversation, and I know our listeners are. This is this may be one of the most important shows I do this year. And uh, Jeff uh, or Dr. Foote, uh, why is it important uh, f- to support families who have loved ones struggling with substance abuse? Well, the families are the, are the people we forget most and soonest and fastest. Um, the treatment professionals of the world, like myself, have dismissed families out of hand. Um, and, you know, if you ask families a bunch of surveys and a bunch of research studies with families and they say, how is it for you, oh, family member, to interact with professionals when mm-hmm. you're dealing with substance use issues? And the kind of things they say, like, are make your hair stand on end, like, I, I don't feel respected, I feel blamed. I feel stigmatized. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's my fault that my kid is struggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won't communicate with me. They don't call me back. They don't tell me what they're planning. They don't include me in anything. Um, and, you know, some of that is always this professional wall that you have about, mm-hmm. like, this is, this is not your treatment. This is treatment for your kid or your husband right. or whatever. Right. But, but families uniformly feel blamed and stigmatized. Um, and the truth is families are the ones who are going to be around forever, Helping mm-hmm. somebody. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be around forever as your psychologist. I see you once a week, or I, and I'm going to see you for a year or six mm-hmm. months or mm-hmm. ten years. But I'm not your family, right. and I'm not as motivated as your family. And your family is never going to give up on you. Um, so, man, if we can, if we could harness that group of folks and have them feel a little bit better about themselves, mm-hmm. um, uh, and give them some tools that are useful. Then you have a group of people who are going to be incredibly helpful yeah. to that person struggling. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's the main reason listed by people when they come to treatment um, is, for why they came to treatment is my family. So we know it's a powerful force for people in wanting yeah. to make changes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's going well between them and their family. But mm-hmm. if we can help their families learn how to do this in a more effective way, then, then we really have something. Yeah. Is family therapy effective to get everyone in the same room and just, you know, talk it out? You know, again, another one of our concepts here is one size doesn't fit all. Um, and so what, what is helping your neighbor down the block or what helps your Uncle Joe might not be the thing that helps you and your family. And to really evaluate that. Um, but in general, getting people to start to figure out how to be able to talk together and mm-hmm. understand each other, yeah, that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. That may take different, different periods of time for different people. Like the, the kid who's in treatment really shouldn't be talking to their parents for a couple of months because their parents don't have themselves together right now. And every time they talk, their parents yell at them and shame them and all that kind of stuff. Uh, eventually, is it going to be useful for people to be able to collaborate and be able to communicate more reasonably and, um, and, and help each other? Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I'm loving this conversation. I'm looking at the clock. We'll stay on track here. We're going to go for a quick break. Everyone stay tuned. More coming up with Dr. Jeff Foote. He is a co-founder and executive director at the Center for Motivation and Change. That's the CMC. He's also the co-president of the CMC Fountain for Change. You can find him at CMC 
cmcfc.org. That's CMC. I'm getting confused myself. CMC. <laughs> CM. It's a lot of C's and a couple of F's there. <laughs> CMCFFC. Sounds like uh, my grades in high school. Dot <laughs> 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 org. <laughs> we'll be right back. You're listening to One Life Radio. Follow us on social media at One Life Radio. Crazy Waters benefits have a history that runs deep. The legend is that in 1881, a woman who suffered from dementia would sit by the well and drink the mineral water all day long. People began to notice that the woman was not so crazy anymore. Had the well gotten rid of her crazies? The well became known as the Crazy Well and people from all over flocked to this magical place. Back in 1904, the famous mineral water company began bottling and distributing its mineral water. The benefits of these minerals all feed your body and mind what it craves. It's a natural sports drink without all the disruptive artificial flavors and sugars. You can find Crazy Water by visiting their website, drinkcrazywater.com. That's drinkcrazywater.com. Want to advertise on One Life Radio? Send us an email, info at oneliferadio.com. Contagiously positive. One Life Radio is back. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell and Dr. Jeff Foote. We are broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Our topic is uh, Beyond Addiction, How Science and Kindness Help People Change. So, uh, Dr. Foote or Jeff, uh, what if the person struggling is in danger of overdosing? Does this approach work for more than... Than for for more severe cases as well. Yeah, it does. I mean, you know, you have to think through every situation, and every family is different. Um, so, if I think my kid is in acute danger of of losing their life, um, which unfortunately in this day and age with fentanyl around is, oh, uh, gosh. is more and more likely, mm-hmm. um, then I may feel like you know what, I really got to take much more uh, immediate action. I got to kind of force this in some way. But the, if you zoom out a little bit from that, what we do know is that when you force people to do stuff, you kind of lose them. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> we all would like to be able to, you know, if, if, if helping with addiction issues was as easy as just telling people this is what you have to do and there's no questions asked and go ahead and do it, it'd be awesome. Then that'd be the end of the story. Um, but it doesn't work that way. And most of us don't like to be told <laughs> what to do no. about what, what to eat for dinner. Um, mm-hmm. So not to mention, you know, my struggles with substance use. So, <clears throat> yeah, you have to think about the situation. But over the long haul, if we can create the conditions for change, that's what we're looking for. Um, and, you know, the last, <clears throat> the last tool section of, of things for people to learn as family members is something that we call helping with action. And that includes communication, and that includes how we act with the person. Um, and I, I actually heard a story recently from one of the parents we worked with, which was heartbreaking and lovely also, um, who mm-hmm. said, um, you know, I started working on this stuff six months ago, and uh, we started working on our communication, and my kid now trusts me that I'm not going to yell at them all the time, because that mm-hmm. took, some, took, took some time, because I used to yell at them all the time, mm-hmm. uh, and I now give them positive reinforcement when, when they do something helpful and something positive changes. 
So they trust me more and they're more likely to come and talk to me about stuff now, which is exactly what you want. But the story they were telling was my kid, I was sitting out in the living room watching TV um, one night and my kid came out and said, I think I'm overdosing. And what that allowed us to do was give them naloxone, get them to the hospital and save their life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they were overdosing. And, wow. and what we have now just talk about that as is what if the door stayed closed? Right. You know? And six months ago, the door would have stayed closed. Their wow. kid wouldn't have trusted them. They wouldn't have come out. They would have said, now nah, if I come out, my, you know, she's just going to yell at me yell and at me. Yeah. be all over me. And mm-hmm. it's that kind of change that you want to start to have happen in the family so that these discussions can happen mm-hmm. um, so that my kid – or my husband or whoever it is, will talk to me about what's going on. They will right. talk to me not just about all the good things that they're doing, but they'll talk to me when they're having a bad day. They'll talk to me when they have a lapse. They'll talk to me when they're having really bad cravings. You know, mm-hmm. like That's when we want those discussions to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of work that you can do as a family member to open up those doors so that the person will come out and talk to you. Yeah, that's a powerful story and important, a very important one. I'm so glad you shared it. You know, I'm I'm thinking as I'm listening to you um, and just thinking of a lot of different things, but what about accountability? How important mm-hmm. is accountability for change in someone who's exhibiting just really terrible behavior? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I'd, I'd put it back in the same bucket, which is what what are the conditions in this, in this family and this relationship? Um, and... I may want somebody to be hold themselves accountable, right? To kind of mm-hmm. um, really look at their own behavior in a real way. The 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 way that I'm not going to get there <laughs> is by going after them, is by mm-hmm. accusing them, is by being angry at them, is by making our communication go into the negative zone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a that's not a way to help somebody become accountable. Mm-hmm. Yelling at somebody, you better be more accountable, is not a way to get them to be more accountable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, but actually creating a, a, a relationship where they feel like you respect them, you're going to collaborate with them, you actually care about what they think, um, that's much more likely to be one where they're, willing to, they're going to be willing to start to look at themselves. Because mm-hmm. they don't feel like they have a knife at their throat all the time then. And mm-hmm. they feel safer. And that matters. It matters a lot in terms of whether they're going to open up and, and tell you what's really going on. I mean, that's, that's what accountability is, right? Let me, mm-hmm. let me be honest about really what's going on here. Right, right. Uh, and if, if I don't feel like it's a, uh, an environment where I can talk about what's going on without you going off on me, mm-hmm. Why, mm-hmm. why would I talk to you about it? Why would right. I be accountable, make myself accountable to you? You're just going to yell at me. Yeah. Um, but if I can be accountable and you can go, you know what, I really appreciate you saying that. Like, and how can I help? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to start to be willing to be accountable and start to be willing to be more open and honest about what's going on. Yeah. And that's again, exactly what I want as somebody who's trying to be a helpful family member. I want you to trust me. I want you to feel like you can talk to me about this. Like yeah. that's the bottom line, you know? And and this research, uh, the, this 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 is the the newest research that the like we were saying earlier that the tough love doesn't really work, right? Yeah. Um, yep. That's what makes the the approach in this book different. Um, yep. That you 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 come at it with a different with a different mindset, if you will, a different one open to listening and understanding and loving all those things that you were talking about, having an awareness of even yourself, um, and uh, and a willingness. Yep. As you said. Right. Yep, and being and being kind and loving is, doesn't mean being a doormat. <clears throat> doesn't right. Mean, I, doesn't mean I don't say, "Hey, get off my foot! You just stepped on me." Or doesn't right. mean, "Hey, you using in the house is not okay." 
You can say all those things, and you can still mm-hmm. be kind, and you can still yeah. set limits. Right. Those things can all come together. It's the, I mean, there's now a number of studies about this, and as you're mentioning the research, like over the last 20 years, starting with CRAFT, which is the community, reinf- community reinforcement approach um, that Bob Myers uh, and Jane Smith developed out in New Mexico, and then we took that work um, and added uh, a number of features that families found really important, like how do you take care of yourself and understand and be more aware of yourself. Um, th- these are really important features that got added into the craft model, and now we call it the invitation to change. Um, mm-hmm. And what has been shown with these approaches, um, starting back with craft, is you know people think of stuff like interventions, like how do you get someone to decide to make a change? Well, mm-hmm. you could do an intervention. Um, and or you can go to Al-Anon meetings for family members. And what, what they found in these studies was when they used these, these uh, approaches like craft, about two-thirds, a little over two-thirds of the people um, who the family member was trying to help decided to go get help. Wow. When you used an intervention, it was about 30% of the people went to wow. get help. Um, wow. And that's a huge difference. That's a it twice a the huge... number. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a huge. Um, so again, if you're looking for like, uh, you know, I may want to yell at you, I may want to do an intervention, um, but if I'm putting my money in that basket, I'm losing my money, and and mm-hmm. this in this case, that money is my my family member. Yeah. Um, and so those are the those are the, you know, confrontational tough love. I mean, interventions say they're loving and all that kind of stuff, um, but it's really forcing someone's hand. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and when you force someone's hand, even though you really really want to, and you really want really want them to say yes and make changes, that's about the least effective way you can help somebody make a change. Wow, that's powerful to know. Um, what about younger teens, um, Jeff, who are just experimenting? Uh, how does this approach work for them? Yeah, you know, well, again, if we go back to kind of the basic principles here, what we're trying to do is say, can I, as a parent, understand what's going on with my kid? Um, and can I start to communicate with, that, with them in ways that are likely to allow us to talk more? I mean, that's mm-hmm. the classic thing with teenagers, right? They won't talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one-word answers, and then that's that, and they go in their room and close the door. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know if they're using substances or if they're just playing video games or they're talking to their friends or they're sleeping because they don't tell me anymore. So how do we use these same ideas? And that's in that way the ideas apply totally to that age group. How do we open up the lines of communication? How do we create a more positive environment in our households? Um, and one of, the, one of the principles in here is positive reinforcement. How do you notice good stuff that's happening? Mm-hmm. You know, it's very easy when things are, are, are going off the rails a little bit. It's very easy to focus on the negative. Right. It's very easy to go, I can't believe it. You did it again. You came home mm-hmm. late. You, I smell pot in your breath. Whatever, you know, all those things that you're, you're, you get really attuned to when you're a parent. Um, can I start to notice some positive stuff as well? Can I put that, some of that stuff back in the mix? Mm-hmm. Because what that will start to do is now my kid might think about talking to me because mm-hmm. they don't think they're just going to get an earful every time they come out of their room. Yeah. They might think they're going to get me saying, hey, appreciate you picking up your sister at school today. That was really sweet of you. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll open up my door a little bit more, a little bit more often because my mom's not being a lunatic now, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, and then we're having a discussion again. So mm-hmm. why do I care about that? Because then, then you might tell me, you know, I got to tell you, Mom, you know, I, uh, I know you don't like this, but I, I, you know, sometimes I do smoke pot, but my friends are freaking me out. They're all using a bunch of benzos. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Boy, am I glad we're having this conversation. Yeah. And that you're not behind the closed door afraid to talk to me. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Because now we can at least talk about this and, and sort it out. And, and maybe I'll give you some suggestions or maybe you just wanted to tell me about this. And, and that's a great start right there. Mm-hmm. No, that is a great start. And, um, you know, uh, I think this is a good uh, stopping point to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversa- conversation with Dr. Jeff Foote. He is the co-founder and executive director at the Center for Motivation and Change, also the co-president of CMC, uh, the Fountain for Change. His website is C mcffc.org that's cmcffc.org stay tuned we'll be right back with uh, dr jeff foot you are listening to one life radio you're listening to one life radio make sure you check out our podcast and get to know the show at oneliferadio.com Hey everyone, I have to share a story about how amazing Terraflora Advanced Care is for gut health. So my friend Liz contracted a debilitating intestinal bacterial infection about a month ago. Her doctor told her she could have died if left untreated. He prescribed a strong antibiotic that treated her infection, but unfortunately left her with terrible stomach bloating along with other intestinal issues. I recommended that she take Terraflora Advanced Care to help her replenish the good gut bacteria lost by taking the antibiotic. Liz said she could tell the difference in her gut immediately after taking the advanced care. Her stomach bloating went away and she could feel her gut working the way it's supposed to. She says Terraflora Advanced Care has been a game changer and she won't go without it. I hear stories like this all the time about Terraflora Advanced Care and all the Terraflora probiotics. I have been taking them for years myself, and I encourage everyone to visit Enviromedica.com to see their full line of probiotics and find the one that's right for you. That's Enviromedica.com. We're back. More of One Life Radio starts now. Welcome back to One Life Radio, everyone. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell and Dr. Jeff Foote. We are broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. If you're just now joining us, we're talking about Beyond Addiction, uh, How Science and Kindness Help People Change. It is a fabulous book. It's a guide for families. There's also a, the, the Beyond Addiction workbook for family and friends. I have them both here with me. And uh, Dr. Jeff Foote, we're talking about all of this, and it's a fascinating conversation. And so the approach that we're talking about, how science and kindness help people change. Um, Jeff, how does this approach work for others with compulsive behaviors? Um, well, again, if we think about the, the major ideas here, there's, there's trying to understand another person. There's trying to understand yourself and be aware of yourself. And then there's behavioral tools like how do I communicate um, and how do I, how do I use some positive reinforcement for change here? So, you know, compulsive behaviors have some common roots. Um, and again, if you start with the idea of this is not some kind of craziness, this compulsive behavior is motivated. The reason this person is doing this is makes sense to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I, can, if I can start from that standpoint, what it really does is it, is it makes me have a lot of empathy for them. It makes me think, okay, again, they're, trying to, they're doing this for reasons that make sense, um, not for evil or to get right. me. Right. Um, and it allows me to actually connect with them um, and start to problem solve. 
So it doesn't have, you know, ultimately it doesn't have that much to do with substance-related issues or addiction. It has to do with behaviors that we all engage in. We all we use the metaphor of a hot stove. If 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 putting your hand, uh, if using substances was like putting your hand on a hot stove, you wouldn't do it anymore. Right. You do it because it gives you something. Um, and if um, compulsively working out, you know, every day for two mm-hmm. hours was like putting my hand on a hot stove, I wouldn't be doing that anymore either. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's something in it for me. Um, and if there's no if there's no downside to that way of going about it, then go ahead. Godspeed. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. there's something destructive about that, in addition to the thing that makes sense, then maybe we can open up this, this topic for a discussion and see if there's some other ways you can mm-hmm. achieve some of what you're getting out of that compulsive behavior in a different way that's less destructive. Well, you bring up exercise, and that's, a, you know, uh, people don't normally think of that as a as some sort of compulsive behavior or addiction, but I can tell you it is. I've been addicted to running uh, and jumping rope and all these things, sometimes hours a day, And yeah. but you do have to have balance in your life, but at least it's a good habit, right? Uh, yeah. And so, but, but we all struggle with things like this. Uh, um, you know, I'm looking in your workbook, and um, the, the thing that I, and I was going through the list of, uh, it's on uh, page 25, read the list below and check the boxes that apply to you. This is for the family or this is for the addict or both? Um, so that, that's one way for us to, that's a list of uh, things that I want or need in my life. Okay. Right? And so that list includes like to feel less anxiety, to not feel right. depressed, to feel good or happy, uh, to be funny, to lose weight, to feel mm-hmm. part of something, to have friends. So those would be things that you can go through with uh, a family member that we would go through with a family member who's trying. So a family member is trying to help their loved one. And we say, mm-hmm. let's start with this list. Okay. Let's, let's look at things that you think um, uh, may be related to why your loved one is using substances. Mm-hmm. Do they do they get any of these benefits? Do they feel relief from physical pain when they drink? Do they are they able to sleep better? Do they mm-hmm. feel um, funnier when they're drinking? Um, and you can have family members go through and they go, yep, 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 no, yep. no, yep, yep, and then they have a list of stuff, which then it makes it makes it a human behavior, like. My my kid or my husband is doing this stuff for reasons that make sense. They're not they're not um, immoral reasons. Wanting mm-hmm. to sleep better, wanting to be out of pain, wanting right. to not be so anxious. There's nothing immoral about that, right? Those all right. make sense. So if you can get a family member to start from that place of going, okay, so so here's what they're doing this for. It's not an excuse. It's is why they're doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, it um, makes sense. It, right. it makes sense, and it helps them have some, some understanding and some empathy for that. And again, also a roadmap, like, okay, so if it helps them sleep better, mm-hmm. maybe there's another way they can sleep better besides drinking a ton. No. Well, you know, and that's a misnomer because it doesn't help you. It helps you fall asleep faster, yeah, because you're, you know, you're right. hammered. You fall asleep, right, exactly, but it yeah. actually interrupts your REM sleep, and you never get that proper amount of sleep that you need. So you're on like this vicious cycle because that exactly. REM, yeah. as you know, as a doctor, uh, that REM sleep is very critical to the reset of your brain, your body. It's when your body heals itself yeah. and gets into that deep state of relaxation that it thrives or, or yeah. craves so much. But you know. Research shows that alcohol uh, indeed temporarily raises endorphin levels, leading yeah. to pleasurable 
feelings, right? Correct, uh, right. And then, uh, however, though, during, and I'm reading this from uh, Healthline, where I pulled it up, because I, I said, you know, pre-show, I'm like, wait a minute, alcohol releases endorphins. I remember reading that. And yeah. so so it does help you feel less, an- less anxious. It does yeah. help you feel less depressed. It, it does make you feel happy, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. However, uh, when that, when that uh, endorphin level drops, uh, you surge and crash. And so it also plays a role in the d- addictive properties of alcohol or right, alcoholism, exactly. right? Right, and, right. And so, yeah. Right, it's, but if I, so if I can come at you and have a discussion where I'm, I'm saying, you know, I get it. I get that it helps you sleep. And I get that it helps you relax right. at night after a really uh, your job that you hate. And I get, you know, all those things. Um, I'm just wondering if we can figure something else out about this. Can we have a talk about that? Because it also seems like it's really messing with your health and it ultimately messes with your sleep and it's making you depressed. But can we have that discussion as opposed to I'm coming at you with you're an addict and a liar and I know what addicts do. Like, mm-hmm. that's not helpful. No, it isn't. <laughs> that's not why I'm drinking. Right. Not because I'm an addict. I'm drinking because my back hurts and I don't know how to sleep and I'm really anxious. Yeah, and, and, I, just... and that's me. And the next guy over is, is drinking too much because he has PTSD from being part of Desert Storm, and he's never right. had it treated, and he has nightmares and flashbacks all the time. Yeah. And somebody else is drinking too much because their wife just passed away, and they're mourning, and they don't mm-hmm. know what to do with themselves. Right. Those are all different people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, or... And those all need different approaches. Right, and it's, divorce. You walk, I mean, you things walk happen. To all those people and say, you, you, you're, you're an addict? Like, no, I'm not. What are you talking about? Like, I yeah. miss my wife, man. Like, that's yeah. not helpful to me. Yeah. And I'm glad we're talking about this with an open heart. And so many families need that. As I said, you know, early on uh, in the broadcast and shared my personal story about my brother. I mean, our family was really hurting and people do stigmatize. They judge. They, you know, they bully. I mean, it's just yeah. it's 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 the wrong approach. You know, you know this. I know this. Communication is the key to success, whether it's on a personal level or, or a level or in business. Communication is the key to success. You hear it all the time, and it's absolutely true, especially in this instance. Before we run out of time, though, I want to talk about what the CMC Foundation for Change, what it is and what it's out there doing in the world to improve people's lives and families that suffer with addictions. Yep, that's that that thing with all those C's and F's in it. Um, um, So that's our our nonprofit foundation, um, which we started about five years ago. Um, at cmcffc.org, and um, you can go buy this book here, the, the uh, Beyond Addiction Workbook. Um, uh, you can order it there. All of the proceeds of these books go to helping families. They're 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 not going into our <laughs> into our pockets. This is all about um, developing materials and training for families. Um, if you go to that website, there's a, a ton of material now explaining these ideas. You can download a lot of it for free. There's a bunch of videos that explain things, and there's more and more nice. there over time as we develop that that foundation. Um, and we do trainings around the country. Um, in COVID, we've been doing them all online. We have nice. another training coming up um, about a week and a half from now, actually. I think on, it's a three-day training. starts on Friday, uh, Friday the 27th of January. Okay. It's for professionals, but it's also for families. Oh, nice. Um, and, um, and we love having families come to these trainings. Um, to scare the bejesus out of the professionals because professionals <laughs> usually go to trainings and there they are in their own world. But when you have families show up and go, you know, y'all actually treat us badly. 
and y'all don't actually pay any attention to us. Yeah. That's a message that's really important for professionals to hear. Mm-hmm. I like agree. we really have to change the way we're relating to families and the, and, and the way we're trying to help them help. Because yeah. as I said earlier, they're going to be the most powerful engine for change here. Yeah. So if we can help them with some tools, that's, that's what we're focused on with this mm-hmm. foundation. Yeah. You never get anywhere with arrogance or being condescending, right? You don't ever touch someone's heart with that. You Not know, too far, no. <laughs> no, no. And so, uh, yeah, uh, January 27th, you can go to cmcffc.org or Instagram and Facebook at cmcffc. You know, one of the one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, we've got about a minute or two here. You know, uh, change includes failure. That's a big part of this, right? So why is it yep. so important to understand that, especially uh, when getting beyond addiction? Yeah, well, that's another section in that whole in our whole circle that has to do with the invitation to change, and it's called practice, practice, practice. So, um, you as a helper, these are new tools. Nobody ever, you know, trained you in how to help a loved one struggling with substance abuse. Like that's not something anybody signed up for when they no. had a kid right. or married somebody, right? Um, so why would you know how to help? Why would you know how to do that? Um, and if you're going to learn some effective tools, like you could learn in the Beyond Addiction workbook, like how do you give yourself some room to learn? If I said, can you play this, uh, this piano piece here? Um, I don't care if you've ever played the piano. Just, just play it, man. Like it's beautiful. Just play it. It'd be like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. I have to practice. I have to learn how to play the mm-hmm. piano. Of course mm-hmm. you do. Yeah. And if you're going to learn how to be an effective helper, you have to take time to do that. And you're going to mess up. Yeah. And you're going to, you know, have a suggestion about how to ask an open-ended question that allows a person to kind of talk more. And then you're going to yell at them instead because you got too frustrated. Yeah. All right. But you need to keep practicing. That's all. Practice makes perfect. Yep. (laughs) In life, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Foote, everyone, I encourage you to go to cmcffc.org. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show with us. And tell your brother Brad I said hello to. I will. Tell your dogs you love them. I will. All right, everyone. Uh, Thanks so much again, Dr. Foote. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show. I know I sure did, and I I just love being here. Uh, But, you know, uh, just remember, you get one body, you get one mind, and you get one life. And practice makes perfect. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Chris Gronkowski tomorrow. Tune in. We're going to talk a little football. Uh, (laughs) Have a great day. (laughs) 